Mark, if you would turn there, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to the Gospel of Mark? The Gospel of Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, my passage is in verses 1 through 20. If you do not have a Bible, the words will be uh, on the screen for you to follow along. And as always, if you do not have a Bible and you want one, would you please see us? We will give you, we will gift you a Bible to take home with you, have for yourself, read, study, bring to church on Sundays, and open yourself. Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. This is what the Bible says. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas, who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? So they cried out again, Crucify him! Then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? And they cried out all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had him scourged to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple. And they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. The title of the message this morning is Jesus, Pilate, and the People. And I have a subtitle to this this morning. The subtitle is Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. And if you'd like to track along with the message this morning, you can listen for these five things. A kangaroo court, 
three reasons for Jesus' silence. A lot can change in five days. Son of the Father with a small f. And consider Jesus. A kangaroo court, three reasons for Jesus' silence. A lot can change in five days. Son of the Father with a small f. Consider Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, it's good to be together. And it's good to open your word and to read from it. And then to expound on it, to learn more. What is this really saying? What does it mean? These can be black and red letters on a white page. Lord, your word calls them living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So I pray this morning that your word will speak. Give us ears to hear. We have a responsibility in this. Your word is alive, but we have a responsibility to receive it and allow the Spirit of God to do a work in us. So may that happen today. God, keep distractions to a minimum. May we put ourselves there where Jesus is. Give us understanding and clarity this morning. And we'll thank you for it. God, most of all, may you be glorified in all that happens here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So our text is in chapter 15. We're going to be going verse by verse through 20 verses this morning. But chapter 14, chapter 14 has... 72 verses in it, the last 30 verses, verses 43 to 72, 30 verses, cover a period of about uh, three, maybe four hours, several hours long, and it's a difficult stretch for Jesus. In those verses, he's been betrayed by Judas Iscariot. He's been abandoned by his disciples. He's been condemned by the Sanhedrin. And he's been denied by Peter. And it doesn't get any better. In chapter 15, Jesus finds himself facing the Roman authorities and an angry crowd. But before that happens, verse 1 of chapter 15 says this, Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. The highest Jewish tribunal in Jesus' day was made up of the chief priests of the elders and the scribes, the chief priests included the high priest at the time, probably also included all of those who had served in the position of high priest in the past. 
The elders were uh, men who were heads of tribes and families who garnered deep respect in the community. The scribes were sometimes referred to as lawyers. They were students and interpreters and teachers of the law. These three classes of people, chief priests, elders, and scribes, make up what Mark calls in chapter 15, verse 1, as the whole council. The proper name of the whole council is the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin. It consisted of 70 to 72 men in total. They handled high-level civil matters as well as some criminal cases. They served as a court of appeals somewhat. They would be considered a supreme court. We'd liken them to our supreme court here in the United States. All of the other courts were lower courts to the Sanhedrin. According to Mark 15.1, the chief priests called the whole council back to reconvene early in the morning. This is important. Because these words tell you what Jesus is up against. If you have your Bibles, look back at chapter 14. Chapter 14 and verse 53. Chapter 14 and verse 53, it says this. And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. So the Sanhedrin has gathered. Jesus has been brought before them. Skip down to verse 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Jesus said, I am, and you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming with clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, What further need do we have of witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him to be deserving of death. I'll stop there. The scene in Mark Chapter 14 happens after Jesus' arrest. It's nighttime. That's important. Remember that. It's nighttime. And Jesus is taken before the Sanhedrin and put on trial. You've probably heard of the term a kangaroo court. The original definition is not exactly this. This would be a secondary definition to what the kangaroo court actually was back in the 1800s and early 1900s. But dictionary.com defines a kangaroo court this way. Any irregularly operated court, especially one so controlled as to render a fair trial impossible. That is what's happening here. That's what this is. The Sanhedrin isn't looking to put on a fair trial here. They will do anything to render a guilty verdict against Jesus 
And in verse 64 of chapter 14, they do just that. They find Jesus guilty of blasphemy under Jewish law. And they condemn him to be deserving of death. There are three problems with this. Three. Number one, it was illegal to hold a trial at night. Number two, the Sanhedrin had no authority to sentence anyone to death. Certainly not in Jesus' case. Number three, blasphemy is not a crime punishable by death in Rome. Three problems. Blasphemy is a crime against the law of Moses. Leviticus 24.16 says blasphemy deserves stoning. A blasphemer is to be stoned to blaspheme against God. But blasphemy is a crime against, the God, against God and the law of Moses, not against the Roman Empire. So the Sanhedrin had to fix these three problems. They fixed problem number one by reconvening at daybreak to make everything legal. That's what's happening here in verse 1 of chapter 15. They called everyone back together to make everything they did legal. Problem number two is addressed in the second half of verse 1, and they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. The Sanhedrin doesn't have the authority to execute Jesus, but Pontius Pilate does. Pilate is the governor of Judea and the surrounding region. And he's probably in Jerusalem for the Passover week to keep the peace and to oversee judicial hearings like, like this one. So Jesus is now before Pilate. But notice a change in the charge, Grace. Notice a change in the charge. What charge did the Sanhedrin find Jesus guilty of back in Mark 14:64? What was it? It was blasphemy. That's a problem. Because it's not punishable by death. Verse 2, chapter 15. Then Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? The question of the high priest during the trial that happened overnight was this. Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? Jesus said, I am. And the Sanhedrin then found him guilty of blasphemy. But when they took him before Pilate, Pilate's question was completely different. Are you the king of the Jews? There's a big difference in the questions. When the Sanhedrin met together in the morning, they were looking to tighten everything up. Problem number one was solved by meeting during the daytime. Problem number two was solved by taking Jesus to Pilate for approval to put Jesus to death. But problem number three was different. Pilate doesn't care if Jesus calls himself the Son of God. But he cares a lot if he calls himself a king. Because someone claiming to be king could be a threat to Rome and he could be a threat to Caesar. So the charge wouldn't be blasphemy then. 
The charge would be treason. Treason is punishable by death in Rome. So when the Sanhedrin met together in the morning, they had to come up with a charge for which Pilate would sentence Jesus to death. The charge of blasphemy blasphemy was changed to a charge of treason. Jesus responds to Pilate's question. Are you the king of the Jews? That's what Pilate asked. The end of verse 2 says, Jesus answered and said to him, It is as you say. So our text is in the Gospel of Mark. That's where our preaching series has been. But where another gospel gives a little more clarity or maybe widens the picture, uh, we'll move there. In Mark chapter 15, verse 2, Jesus answers Pilate's question. He says, it is as you say, but the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John expands on Jesus' answer to Pilate's question. John chapter 18, the Bible says this. Then Pilate answered the praetorium, entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. So Jesus' answer to Pilate's question, are you the king of the Jews? It was a yes answer. But his answer defuses the situation. He's not the kind of king who's interested in overthrowing governments. He's not the kind of king who's interested in conquering nations. He's come to conquer sin and death. His kingdom is not of this world. So his kingship is therefore not a threat to Rome. And after his answer, Pilate reaches a decision. Pilate went out again to the Jews, John 18 says, and he said to them, I find no fault in him at all. (laughs) Can you imagine the response of the chief priests? It enrages them. Back in Mark chapter 15, verse 3, this is what the Bible says. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Notice the contrast. Notice the contrast between Jesus and the chief priests. When Pilate says, I find no fault in him, the chief priests begin to accuse Jesus of many things. They're beside themselves that Jesus could possibly get off. That Pilate might let him walk. They couldn't let that happen. So they start making accusation after accusation after accusation. But Jesus remains quiet. Why? There are three reasons for Jesus' silence here. Three reasons why Jesus stayed quiet before his accusers. The first is a fulfillment of prophecy. A fulfillment of prophecy. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. 
He stayed silent to fulfill, fulfill prophecy. Number two, second reason why Jesus stayed quiet is because Pilate is, had already pronounced him innocent. As we just read, the Bible says in John chapter, uh, chapter 18, verse 38, Pilate had rendered his decision, I find no fault in him at all, he said. Thirdly, I'll get to that in a minute. There, there is a third reason. Pardon me. Third reason. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. Look at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 15. Look at verses 4 and 5. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Verse 3. Chief priests accused Jesus of many things. Pilate says in verse 4, see how many things they testify against you. Luke 23 gives a list of charges they shouted out against Jesus. He was perverting the nation, which is equivalent to disturbing the peace. He was forbidding to pay taxes, which was an outright lie. And he was saying that he is the Christ, a king, which is treason. The contrast between the behavior of the chief priests and the behavior of Jesus is stark. And it causes Pilate to marvel. Pilate marveled at Jesus. He wondered at him. He was amazed that Jesus could keep quiet in the midst of all this. But here's the thing. And this is the third reason why Jesus remained quiet. This was God's sovereign plan. And Jesus knew that. He wasn't going to defend himself because the matter had already been settled. The Bible says in Acts 2.23 in the New Living Translation, but God knew what would happen and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. That's why Jesus remained silent. It was God's sovereign plan. Verse 6, Mark chapter 15. Again, going verse by verse, line by line. Now at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them whomever they requested. So each year at the Passover festival, it was the custom of the governor to release one prisoner that was probably a goodwill gesture to the people. You want to keep the peace there so you give them a gesture of goodwill. This is that, most commentators believe. Those last three words in verse 6 are important. Whomever they requested. It's not a discretionary pick. By the governor. It was someone the people wanted. The people made the request. Skip down to verse 8 for just a moment. I'm going to go back to verse 7. Skip down to verse 8. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. So the crowd began to ask Pilate at this moment. Release for us a prisoner. You, used, you do it all every year. Do it this year. Between verses 6 and 8 is 
verse 7, and it serves as a parenthesis in the text. It's, uh, it takes a moment to introduce a particular man to you who plays a, a big role in this. He, he's just a person. You don't hear him say anything. You're just introduced. Verse 7, and there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. So Barabbas is an insurrectionist. Uh, he and his fellow rioters had been arrested after a rebellion. When the Gospel of Mark introduces Barabbas, pardon me, when the Gospel of Matthew introduces Barabbas uh, in chapter 27, this is what it says. And at that time they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. A notorious prisoner. That's what the New King James Version refers to as Barabbas, calls Barabbas here. So does the New American Standard, the ESV, and the New Living Translation. All use uh, a notorious prisoner. King James Version calls him a notable prisoner. The NIV, a well-known prisoner. And the Good News Translation calls him a well-known terrorist. And that's what most commentators say Barabbas is. He's a terrorist. The word in the Greek is prisoner, but he was a terrorist. The Message Bible simply calls him infamous. Barabbas has a criminal history. His crimes include insurrection and robbery and murder. He was anti-government. He was anti-Rome, and whether he was considered a hero by some Jews or whether he was feared by others, everyone knew who Barabbas was. Do what you've always done, the crowd yells. Do what you've always done in the past. Release for us a prisoner. Pilate saw that request as an opportunity to release Jesus. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Pilate saw through their charade. He realized the Jewish leaders had not uh, handed Jesus over to him out of loyalty to Rome. Instead, it was due to envy and to hatred they were jealous of Jesus' popularity. Look closely at Pilate's question in verse 9. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? See how Pilate, even Pilate, refers to Jesus as the king of the Jews. It's like a subtle jab at the chief priests. This is the charge Jesus was brought in on. And yet Pilate sees Jesus as no threat. But think about this too. Jesus is standing before Pilate on Friday. Question. What happened five days earlier? What happened on the Sunday before this? What? I'm sorry. 
The triumphal entry. I heard that one, Tim. Thank you. I Sorry. I'm, I heard that one. Thank you. The triumphal entry. Maybe everybody else said that. I wouldn't hear it. The triumphal entry into Jerusalem happened five days earlier. And what did the people call Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. John chapter 12, verse 13. Listen to what the people shouted. Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Pilate probably knew that. Matter of fact, he may have been there. For all we know, he may have already been in Jerusalem. He may have already heard that that's what the people were calling him. So when he asked the people on Friday... Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He was just calling Jesus what the people had called him five days before. Surely in his mind they would pick Jesus. What a difference five days can make. What a difference. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd, the Bible says in verse 11 so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. That Greek word translated stirred up literally means to shake to and fro. It's uh, the word from which we get our English word seismic from. Seismic, as in having to do with an earthquake. They were stirring up the crowd in a big way. They wanted all of this to end in one way. They knew what had happened five days earlier at the triumphal entry. They also knew what happened that Monday, the day after the triumphal entry, when Jesus cleansed the temple. Back in Mark chapter 11, after the triumphal entry on Sunday and after the cleansing of the temple on Monday, the Bible says the chief priests and scribes sought how they might destroy him. And here is their chance. Now is their opportunity so they shook up the crowd, perhaps in a real panic. You can't choose him. Choose Barabbas. And the pressure tactics worked. Verse 13 of Mark 15 says, After the crowd yelled for Jesus to be crucified, Pilate continued, continued arguing on Jesus' behalf. Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? The Bible says in Luke chapter 23 that Pilate wanted to release Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Luke 23, three times Pilate asked the crowd why he should have Jesus crucified. Three times he asked them. Why? He found no reason for the death penalty in Jesus' case. Luke 23, 16 says Pilate thought that if he had Jesus flogged, it might even satisfy the people. Okay, I'll have him scourged. Maybe then they'll be satisfied. But it wasn't enough. And the crowd was insistent. And the second half of verse 14 says they cried out all the more. Crucify him! Verse 15, so Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd released Barabbas to them. 
King James Version says, and so Pilate, willing to content the people. You hear that? Willing to content the people. Willing to make the people happy. Even at the expense of an innocent man. Willing to content the people. Pilate released Barabbas to them. As an aside, the meaning of the name Barabbas is an interesting one. Bar in the Greek means son. Abba means father. Bar Abbas, son of the father, small f there. So the people chose the one called son of the father to be released over the one called the son of God. He, that is Pilate, delivered Jesus after he had him scourged to be crucified. I'm not going to talk much about scourging here. Most of you know what it entails. It's awful. I'll just talk about the weapon they used. It's a, it's a whip with leather cords. There are bits of bone and metal at the end. Uh, you can imagine how it's used to flog someone. Uh, it was an awful, awful torture. That's what Jesus went through. And the Bible says in verses 16 to 20, Then the soldiers led Jesus away into the hall called Praetorium. The Praetorium refers to the temporary headquarters of the Roman governor whenever he was in Jerusalem. This is where Pilate would stay. And they clothed him, and they called together the whole garrison. A whole garrison numbers 600 soldiers. 600 soldiers. And they clothed him with purple, verse 17. Purple is the color of royalty. And they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head. Since Jesus had, had claimed to be king, they dressed him in royal colors and put a crown made of thorns on his head. Commentators say these thorns were probably more than an inch long. It was done to inflict pain and to mock him. And the mocking continues, verse 18. They began to salute him. Hail, king of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him. It's important to note the tense in the Greek here. The tense in the Greek indicates the assault on Jesus is repetitive. Soldier after soldier kept on striking Jesus. Wasn't it just one blow? It was a continual blow upon blow upon blow. Not only that, they kept on spitting on Jesus. They kept on mocking him by bowing down and worshiping him in jest. Verse 20 says this, And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. I said at the start of the message, there's a subtitle. That subtitle is this. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. That subtitle comes from a verse out of Hebrews. 
Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3 says this. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Let me read that again. Pardon me. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. To the Christian... To the Christian, I say this, consider Jesus this morning. Consider the events of Mark chapter 15 and what he went through for you. A rigged trial, people turning on him, the selection of a murderer to be released over himself, a holy son of God, the scourging The beating, the spitting, the mocking, and there's a crucifixion to come. But he persevered to the end. Consider Jesus, Christian. He is your example. Even when things get difficult for you, Consider Jesus, keep your focus on him, and persevere to the end. If you're not a Christian, I say this, consider Jesus. Consider what he went through to pay your sin debt. If you don't know what it means, or if you would like to know more about how you can know for certain that you'll spend eternity with him in heaven, who he is, How I know that he is the son of God. How you can know him as your own savior and Lord. Would you please see me after the service? I would love to set up a time to speak with you. It would be my privilege. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, thank you for your word. I pray now that your Holy Spirit will do its work. Have his way in our hearts. Give us understanding and clarity. God, encourage the believer. Encourage me. Encourage us as a family of grace to persevere to endure to the end. Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as their personal Savior and Lord, may they recognize that need. Give them the courage to see me, to see Matthew, to see one of the elders, and hear how they can know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Bless the remainder of our time together. Thank you so much again. 
have your way in us. In Jesus' name.